Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 99. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm excited to introduce a very special guest, Art Morrison. Art, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm always ready. (laughs) I've been looking forward to this. All right. Well, it's great to have you here. Art Morrison started playing with cars on quarter-mile tracks driving wheel standers. After a big crash in 1970, he decided to start his own business focused on building drag racers. His business grew, and as did his reputation for quality work. He built hundreds of dragsters and eventually began focusing on street rods. That market, and today, his name and builds are all over the world. Art Morrison Enterprises designs and builds chassis, custom chassis, and all sorts of components for custom cars, street rods, and more. His son, Craig, works alongside Art as well as his talented team, building dreams for automotive enthusiasts around the world. So Art, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you please take a little bit of time and share some more about your history, your business, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles? Oh, certainly. Uh, And again, thanks so much for for having me on your show. Absolutely. Um, God, this goes back, and now a long ways back into the into the late fifties, early sixties, uh, when I was just a kid. There was always this thing I had for cars. Even my dad was a was always an entrepreneur. He had a sawmill. He built houses, and literally, he built the houses with the the wood he cut off of the land. Mm. And so he did it. He did it the hard way. But it was always an entrepreneur. And we always had things that I could fiddle with and play with as a as a kid. And as time went on. I learned actually real quick that I was not going to be a contractor. I was not going to be a home builder. <laughs> uh, it just it just wasn't me. And so pretty much I had gotten drafted in the, oh gosh in the middle sixties and and served my time and and when I got out that's when I met some people that were involved with wheel standards and and got into that. Well, as time went on, that led down a path. I'll get into that story, the the complete story, that a little bit later. But sure. it was the interesting period of my life. That is all sort of what led to it. Essentially, it started in the garage at my house, and that's that's where it all started. Was the was the garage at my house, and then as time went on, and I got out of that into a small shop, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. It eventually it just kind of morphed into a a real business. I guess I was so bullheaded. I just didn't quit. I just I kept sticking <laughs> with it. And when it would be so easy to say, 
you know what, there's an easier way to make a living. And sure. and I just, I chose this direction. And what I love about your story is entrepreneur. You learned that from your father and you took that genetic code, I guess, that he handed down to you and started your own business. And I know that your career path, you went from building dragsters to street rods and you kind of found your place in the street rod market because your chassis are legendary. People buy them for all sorts of vehicles. And I've known you for some time, and I've seen many of the cars that you've built, and they're just absolutely fantastic. And we'll learn a little bit more as we move along here, but I always like to start our talk with an inspirational quote, something that's been part of forming your life and your career and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah. So Art, take the wheel. Probably the thing that has stuck with me pretty much my entire life is, again, my dad. We were very, very close. And actually, and I had a little bit like Craig and I, I worked with him until, like I say, I decided that building houses just wasn't really for me. As a kid and, and uh, in early adult life, his words always, always stuck with me. He said, you can do or be anything you want. Hmm. And he absolutely drove that into me to where, to where, I mean, I believed it to my core, and I do today, that uh, you can be or do anything you want. It's your, I guess there's internal limitations, but, but I believe those are very few if, 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 you really do want it, you can find a way to get it. Well, how fortunate you were to have a father that drilled that into you. That is fantastic. And how have you incorporated that wonderful quote into your business and your life and your passion for cars? It goes, there's a lot, a million different things. (laughs) I had never used a MIG welder before I bought one. I had never used a Bridgeport milling machine before I bought one. I had never used... Oh, and the, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, when I was in school, I went to, we were fortunate enough at the time when I was in high school that you could go a half a day to a vocational school, and I, and I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I took machining at that point, and I learned a lot of different tools. And, but the welding process was stick, uh, at that time was strictly only, uh, just, uh, stick welding. Mm-hmm. And there was no heliarc, there was no wire welding, there was nothing like that. And so as time went on, I'd never gone to a, a class on learning how to TIG weld a, the Heliarc process until I actually bought one of the machines. And so kept going back to the you can do anything you want, you can do anything you want, that I just never lost sight of that. And, and it just it just allowed me to, to take and, and do challenges that I would have never otherwise even thought about. And because people tend to be leery, afraid, embarrassed, whatever, of jumping into something if they don't have the knowledge on it. But if you do the research, if you, uh, if you look at it realistically, yeah, you can do it. Oh, absolutely. And I I love that whole concept of what you're saying is just try it, just do it and keep practicing. You'll get better as you move along. But I think that uh, that mantra that your father taught you has served you very, very well. Was there a time in your life that instigated your passion for cars? You knew way back that you didn't want to be a contractor, a builder, or a, a lumber mill guy like your father. You knew that cars were your thing. Is there a pivotal moment you can recall in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? 
Yeah, there was actually, realistically, there were there were two. There was was one when I was uh, when I was fifteen. My dad let me. I bought a. Uh, actually, he helped me. It was. I think it was a was a hundred bucks, but it was a nineteen thirty you know Model A uh, little little five window coupe. Mm-hmm. And uh, and but the but and that was that's that's a story that's a story I'll get in a little later too. But the <laughs> the one that I think said, hey, this is what you're going to do, is when I got out of high school, my parents bought me a, uh, a fifty, a little 54 Chevy two-door post, and that was my graduation present. Nice. And bought the thing from a from a, the, the cute little old lady deal, you know, it was a low <laughs> mileage, really a nice little car. Yeah. I promptly went out and I took, and with a 54 Chevy, because of the way the grill is, you can cut the center of the grill out and, and it makes a little opening there and i put a, a little moon three gallon fuel tank because oh, it just yeah. doesn't look cool so i set that in front and i thought well god that looks cool and so and it was it was still had the six cylinder three speed on the column and and so off i went and, and later that summer this was in 65 when i when i got out of high school so later that summer i got the bright idea of God, this would really be cool with a straight axle underneath the thing because it, it just that's the way gassers look. I went off and in my spare time, I I found the axle, found all the components, and I went ahead and and started putting all of these pieces and parts underneath this this '54 Chevel. Now it's at it's at quite high. It had the straight axle. It had the moon fuel tank and the grill. Still with a six cylinder three speed on the column, <laughs> sure. and I thought I got to do something with this because. We would go out to the local car hangouts, and in this area, it would have been uh, out in where Bushes was, out on South Tacoma, and uh, this was in the middle 60s, and, and it was a like truly a scene out of American Graffiti. Oh, yeah. And I'd just park alongside the road. Well, I'd be the last one to leave because I didn't want anybody to hear the engine, <laughs> and because uh, it was still a six. Yeah. So fall of that year... A buddy of mine and I were driving along, and he said, God, this would really be cool with a big block in it. And, and Chevrolet had just come out with a 396s then. So I convinced my parents that I needed them to co-sign on a loan for me for this crate motor and four-speed and all this <laughs> nonsense. And amazingly enough, they did. The, their only question to me was, well, why do you need that much power? I said, well, it just, it's kind of for the safety of the car. It gives me a little more passing power. I said, <laughs> yeah, right. And they, and they, yeah, right. Exactly. So they, anyway, long story short, they, they went ahead and co-signed for the loan. So now I had this big block Chevy, Muncie four-speed, Hurst shifter, and went ahead and started putting it all inside this 54 Chev. And built the exhaust system, and I mean, complete with the headers and all. I did, I did everything. Wow! And put an old rear end in it, and and the only thing I couldn't do was build the the drive shaft. That was the only thing I didn't do at that time was was the drive shaft. So I farmed that out. Anyway, got that thing running, and I decided then that there were sparks that kept going off that said, "This is what you do. This is what you know." <laughs> and and I think that was was one of the real inspirational deals that that just said whatever happened it would always be automotive related yeah. um, because oh. of that car fantastic what a great story how those moments in time really are messages to you of this is what your life's going to be all about exactly that's fantastic <laughs> So, Art, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads that you've driven down and crawl under the hood and under the car and around the car and get our hands a little dirty. And I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your business. It's a wonderful part of the show because it shows people how 
you can be resilient and bounce back from difficult times, but most importantly, how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. That one's again has always been one that is it's extremely clear. It's it is, <laughs> it is it is again such a part of my life. I got married in uh, got February of seventy one, and I didn't have a job. Gosh, my wife didn't have a job at the time. Father in law was just absolutely terrified that his daughter married a bum, <laughs> and so. So off we went. I did have my own house, though, and, uh, right. and but just almost no way to pay for the thing. So we're in the we're in the spring of of 1971. The only real job I had was driving wheel standers, and so I was a was a certified welder. And this was about in April, and I thought, well, I got to find a way to support you know my bride. And, yeah. And so there was a local shipyard was hiring welders at the time. Well, I was a certified welder, and, and I got my certification, got a year or so before that. So I went down to the shipyard and took their welding test. I got all done with it, and I thought, well, I'll hear from them in a, hear from them in a day or so. I never heard from them, so about a week passed by, and I thought, God, i got to call them. I know I didn't pass it, but i got to find out why. Hmm. So I called a guy up, and, and I said, say, I said, I took your welding test a week or so ago and didn't get a call. And he said, well, what's your name? And I said, I said, Morrison. And he said, just a minute, just a minute. And I could hear him shuffling papers. And, and he came back laughing. He said, oh, Morrison. He said, God, he said, the weld was so bad. He said, we saved it just to show people what a really bad weld would look like. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, and I was just crestfallen. I was, oh, I was yeah. dying because I thought, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? Oh. And this was in, like I say, it was in late May, and I was still driving wheel standards and and I was actually driving for a guy by the name of Richard Schroeder at that time and it was in early early June and I was just I was trying to get something going in the garage at the house but it just it wasn't really flying and and so I was still like I say driving wheel standards well one night we were it was at the old Chollop drag strip and the the car everything that could have gone wrong did and the car wound up I was about near the the top end and the way his car steered was was different than all the others. It was normally on a wheel standard, it has rear wheel brakes. So if you, you push forward on the lever, if you push forward, it would be like a bulldozer, you would go to the left. If you pull back on the lever, you would go to the right. Hmm. And uh, just with the independent rear brakes. Well, his was just the opposite because you didn't see by looking through the floor you saw where you were going by looking at the guardrail. Oh gosh. So if you if you're if you ever want to see what this was like, go forty miles an hour on a country road with no cars anywhere and steer by looking at the the ditch on the other side of the road. It's uh, it's a little unnerving. Yeah. Well, then multiply that times a hundred miles an hour oh, and, gosh. and then you get the drift of what how it was. Yeah. So the car had, had wandered off the track and I knew it, so I finally set it down. It was near the finish line and it was a horrific crash. I mean, it was it it went uh, rolled barrel rolled. Um, oh my gosh! God, about five times, six times. Finally came to a rest way beyond the finish line, and and I was unconscious. And and Jeanette was in the in the tower at the time. We had only been married a few months, and her first words to the person standing beside her was. I'm too young to be a widow. Oh gosh! And, yeah. uh, and so that was actually one of those moments that, again, I I looked at and and I wound up in the hospital, got out, 
and I said, there's just got to be a better way to make a living. And so that was actually, that was actually when I, I put everything into getting something going at the garage. And so I did any and everything automotive. I mean, from uh, tune-ups to rebuilding engines to, and again, to working on, working on race cars. Wow. And that's, that's how it started. Well, there's a couple wonderful things there. Thank goodness he didn't like your welds. Are you spent the last 41 (laughs) years in the shipyards, uh, you know, welding ships. I guess in a way, thank goodness for that crash, because it led you to start your own business and do everything you could to make it a success. I've got to say, as far as I've asked that question of many, many people, I've gotten all sorts of answers, but yours is pretty darn unique uh, in, (laughs) in several ways, my goodness. But Wonderful, wonderful story. Thanks for sharing that. And let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum and share a story with us when you had a real aha moment in your business, that time when something happened, you went, you know what? I think I'm actually going to make it in this career of mine. My father-in-law was wrong. I'm not a bum. I, I can do it. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Okay. This is interesting. Somebody asked me the other day because we're now we're solid into our forty third year. Yeah, congratulations! And, and, oh, thank you. And somebody asked me. They said hey, this was a was a young guy uh, starting out in real estate in a re, in the real estate business. He's been at it for about six seven years now. He said and asked me the same question. He said, well, what point did you really realize? that the business was going to succeed and that it would continue on and and be successful. And I said, I don't know, probably about two years ago. And so he he just (laughs) cracked up. And I said, I said, it's always a balancing act no matter when. Right. But to answer this question, when I started in the garage and then I got into a small shop, it was literally, it was only 900 square feet. Actually, a, a building that my dad had or doing cabinets for the houses. He even did all his own cabinet work. Well, he had got out of building houses and, and actually went to work for a school district after that as their, uh, the, the head of their, their bus garage and everything. So I was in his shop in, in 900 square feet of his 1,800 square foot shop. That's where it started. Then mm-hmm. it went into it. I was I convinced him that I needed the whole building, so we kicked out a wall. I, I found a place for all of his stuff, and, and I had the whole 1,800 square foot shop. Well, that lasted until about 77, and I, I bought this piece of property uh, where we're at now. And it was in, oh gosh, I guess about early 78 had built the first building uh, that was a, we could really, really call our own. And it was a 8,000 square feet. Business went on. And here, and again, this was in 78. We had gotten to be known fairly well as far away as Texas and Canada, California, and so on with our, with building dragsters and so on. But it, it had reached a point where I said, I, I want the thing to grow. I want the thing to grow. And I thought, I've got to advertise nationally. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But didn't have the wherewithal to even consider it. What I did then was I had this, this great bright idea that I would borrow money against virtually everything I owned. And I mean everything. Yeah. And and got 40000 bucks. And in, in uh, early 80s, that was a fair amount of money. Sure. And, uh, and to me, it was the world. And so I went to the bank and said, okay, this is what I want to do. 
and banker, great guy, still my banker to this day. He came over to the shop, and we were walking around, and he says, you know, he said, if this doesn't work, because he thought I was crazy, he said, if this <laughs> doesn't work, he said, this is all going to be mine. He said, I'm going to, I'm, I will take it. And I, I said, I understand. I said, you do what you've got to do, and I'll do what I've got to do. And so he said, he said, okay. So he loaned me the 40000 bucks, and this was against home. This was against everything. Yeah, and I uh, And all we did with that money was I, it was enough to do six months of advertising and put together our first catalog. And Mm. that's all I did with the money. And I think I bought one small piece of equipment, but that was, that was it. Well, and then I had all these grand projections laid out on what it would do, what it would do from, from the first month, the second month, third, through the sixth month. Mm -hmm. Well, it it didn't come anywhere close to that. It just God, the first month was terrible, and I realized that when we started this program, it was actually in probably in May. Well, we didn't realize that that the drag racing business, our slowest months were through the summer, mm-hmm. and it didn't start to pick up again until until the probably September October, and that's when people would start looking at building cars for the coming year okay yeah it was it was an interesting interesting thing on the way that the graph of the business went at that time right so it went and as time went on as time went on we kept uh, a gal that was working for me at the time actually she still has 30 god she'll have 34 years here in this coming year we would look at these numbers every month and i'd say and I'd say, God, I said, we're nowhere near that. We're nowhere near that. Finally, we hit September, and all of a sudden, it was a huge, a huge increase in the numbers, and we started getting closer to our goal. And lo and behold, by October, we had actually matched what I had written down on the paper. And I've saved all of those papers because <laughs> it's always interesting to look back on. Yeah. And that was the moment that I said, this is cool. This is the direction. And we never, we the only reason that we talked to the bank or that, pardon me, I'll put it this way. The next time we talked to the bank about borrowing money was in, uh, was in, God, I think it was in 1989 where we built our next 10,000 foot building. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, we were all of a sudden, the advertising got us out there nationally. It got us to where people on the, on the East Coast would hear about us. And this was all through, Oh gosh, the drag racing trade paper, which was called National Dragster, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that's where we where we started advertising in, and and like I say, all of a sudden we became known nationally, and and uh, and that went a huge, huge, huge long way in in making it work for us. And we what we were doing at that time is we were building a lot, a lot of complete cars, um, and along with with components and so on, also. Yeah. Uh, but but that was a that was an unbelievably defining moment in the business that that and I don't know like I say I don't know if I've ever been 100% convinced that there that a business a business can't fail at any time <laughs> sure. because it always it always keeps you on your toes for the next for the next thing yeah absolutely a oh, wonderful story how about how about a proudest moment do you recall one single moment I'm sure you had many proud moments but one that really stands out in your business and your career that you're really proud of gosh there's 
and again, there's a ton, but but I think there's several that, that really, really do stand out. One was 2007. We were actually picked by our peers at the SEMA show. It was in the, We belonged to a member group of SEMA called the Hot Rod Industry Alliance and the HRIA. And we were picked business of the year in in oh, 2007, and that was a cool. that was a big it was it was a big deal because it's it is it's absolutely by your peers, and uh, and that was a that was a big deal. But I think number probably number one is uh, is having Craig involved in the business and mm. knowing that that this is where he wants to be. He started working here. I think we broke all the child labor laws when he was a kid, <laughs> but. But when he started, when he started here, when he was just a kid, he had worked every facet of the business. Then he went to went to University of Washington, and anyway, and, and wound up going to their their business school. And his degree is in marketing, so it's a it's a perfect fit for us. But I still I wasn't convinced that this is really really where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so there was a was a point after he got out of college that I said you got to go to work for somebody else. I said you can't just come here and 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 be arts kid. I said that's just not going to fly. Yeah. And so he went out, got a job, and worked outside of of the business for two years. And this is on top of a trip he took to the South Pacific after he got out of college. But <laughs> but that that was another story anyway. Yeah. So he worked he worked outside of the business for a couple of years, and when he came back, he came back as Craig Morrison. Mm. He was no longer just Art's kid. Yeah. And that was in oh gosh the late nineties, uh, early two thousand. But I think that's my is. is is one of my I, I use this term so often that I, I feel as though I've been truly blessed and that yeah. and that's one of them. That's that's one of those things that that is that way. And and there is there is one other and it's a yeah. it's a kind of a fun kind of just a fun story. We had built our sixty Corvette. When we had built that Corvette, we took it down to uh SEMA in two thousand six and we were going to debut this car down there. It was in the uh, K&N uh, filter display. Mm-hmm. And Sony had a program at the time. Actually, they still do. And it's a, it's a thing they call best of show. And all you do is you, you notify. There's ways you get in touch with these folks. And, and you just tell them you want to be involved in that in that particular contest thing. And, and so we did. And lo and behold, we won best of show with the Corvette that year. Nice. Well, what that does is when you win best of show they put your car in the video game gran turismo <laughs> yes <laughs> and so here we are we've got and to this day the the corvette is in the, is in the video game gran turismo seen uh, by literally millions and millions of people yeah oh fantastic <laughs> i love that you know i remember that yeah. car and You were nice enough to loan me that car. One of my children's Christmas card pictures of them sitting in that car. Um, I'm not sure if you know that or not. Oh, that's wonderful. No, actually, this the first time I've heard that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, you'd loaned us that car for a photo shoot, and I I, I, um, always, that time of year, I always grab the kids real quick and put them around one of the cars we were using. And uh, uh, so one of our uh, iconic Christmas cards is in Art Morrison's Corvette. So very cool. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, very cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, oh, it was great. It was great. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? Okay, uh, the first really special car. This was that the Model A that I had I had spoke of early on. That that was, and then uh, and then went into the fifty four Chev. It was a when I was just gosh, I think I was. It was in the uh, my birthday's in June. This would have been in early, early, early spring of that year, March, something like that. 
I found a, a little five-window Model A coupe, 30 Model A, and my dad, he went and looked at it, and the body was sitting in one place, frame was in another place, had a, a froze Olds engine in it. It was just, uh, it, was a, it was a piece of work. And, and he looked at it, convinced that I'd never be able to get it run, and said, yeah, we can do this. And I think it was 100 bucks for everything. And <laughs> so we put it on his flatbed, and we drug it all home and unloaded it. Well, I started spending every spare minute in the thing. Well, the engine was hopeless, and, and I thought, God, what am I going to do with that? I found a local junkyard that had a, a 57 Buick 322 with a three-speed behind it. And I thought, well, this was cool. And the guy wanted 75 bucks for everything. And so paid him his money, and a buddy of mine loaded it in the back of my dad's truck, and off we go back home. And, and I, uh, so that was my first bout. Now, I'm not even 16 yet. And, so, <laughs> and I, I did know how to weld. Had a terrible reputation as a welder, but I didn't know how to weld, and so made the mounts, got the the engine in the in the Model A, and again I I did everything on that car except build the drive shaft, uh, pretty much everything on it. By summer I turned 16 in June, still thrashing on the car. It was sometime I believe mid July of that year, got it running. Now I again I built the headers on that car, and they were. They were horrific. I mean, they were just <laughs> dreadful because I made them out of electrical conduit. I bought the flanges, but I but they were all made out of electrical conduit and arc welded together. So oh my you gosh! Could, yeah, I I really really wish I would have saved those just because. <laughs> just and, them on uh, the wall. Oh yes. Anyway, so the car finally got done, and and the only thing that was really legal on the car was I had a clear title. And the license plates were correct. They weren't stolen or anything. They were for real <laughs> license plates. So I off I went. We were driving the thing around town. I'd never take it on the highway because it just I just don't think it was that safe. And so one day stopped at a little oh gosh a little oh, like a country store near where we lived, and all the buddies were sitting across the street, and and uh, a state cop saw me turned his lights on because there were no fenders there was no it was open exhaust it was just coming out of the headers uh no rear fenders no i mean everything that you needed i didn't have yeah so the cop starts writing the ticket up and he got to seven different deals of faulty equipment son he said normally he said we give you seven days to fix this he stood back and he looked he said there's just no way in hell yeah. And he said, would you do me a favor and just keep it off the road until you get it fixed? And I said, "I said, oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. Sir. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> so off we went. And my buddies across the, the way were all just hackling and yeah. laughing and everything else. <laughs> Anyhow, the two of them came running over and said, come on, you've got to give us a ride. And I said, no, I can't. I've got to take it home. i just, I got to take it home. Well, just give us a ride till you get to your, towards your place. Uh, okay. So peer pressure is a terrible thing. Oh, so, yes. Off we go, off we go towards towards my house, and we get to this one turn where right would go to my house, left would go towards these other guys' places. Ah, oh, come on, go up the hill, go up the hill. So I went up the hill, and they said, just punch it. Just let's see how fast this hill goes. Oh, no. So I did, and the local cop, the yep. local cop was sitting right on top of the hill. Of course he was. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was less than 15 minutes, and I was stopped by, by the local oh, cop. Oh, gosh. What a f- <laughs> and, oh, it was, it was dreadful. And, and again, I was able to talk my way out of it almost. He, he made those guys walk home, yeah. and he followed me to my parents' house and watched me park it in the garage. And, <laughs> uh, but anyway, that, was a, that car was a, was a, a great, great experience, and, and just we just had had a lot a lot of good times with it but that was 
that was first car. A <laughs> fun story. I love it. <laughs> How about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've had in your lifetime that you really wish you could have it back? Oh, gosh. Um, yep, there is. It was that one would have been uh, a 1968 Camaro. Now, in in 60, gosh, I think I alluded to this earlier, in 66, I had gotten drafted and uh, and and was over in Vietnam, and and this would have been in in oh middle to late six, not late even sixty seven, but say August of sixty seven, and when all the new car brochures started coming out, well, my parents, I would I'd say, gosh, could you send me anything and everything on on the new cars coming out? So they did. They sent me all of this all this information on the new cars. Well, the one I was taken with most was the was the Camaro and I saw this sixty eight and and I God, I mean I had everything picked out. I wanted it with a big block. I wanted it with a four speed. I wanted this particular color. I wanted I mean so I I just pretty much said, Yeah, this is what I want. I want the SS. I want yeah on and on and on and I sent it home. Well in the meantime I'd been sending all of my pay home also. And everything but I'd keep ten dollars uh I'd keep ten dollars out of each paycheck and the rest would go the rest would go to my parents. Yeah. And I mean and there's there's no place you could even spend ten bucks when you're in the infantry in Vietnam. There right. just was there just was no you weren't gonna spend money any place. Sure. So Anyhow, so I sent almost everything home. Well, my dad went on a went shopping in I think it was in September, October of that year when they the way they used to release cars, and he found everything that was on that list at a oh, a dealership. I think it was down in Puyallup, mm-hmm. and for like thirty nine hundred bucks, big block four speed Camaro, and and so on. Late 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 January of sixty eight is when I got home, mm-hmm. and so when I went in the house when I when I Literally, when I got home, gosh, a Christmas tree was still up, and I mean, and it was just this this fuzzy kind of a dark brown color. I mean, there was no green on it anywhere. I mean, it was just <laughs> such a fire hazard. Yeah. But my mom insisted on keeping the Christmas tree up till I got home. Nice. And I uh, and but the coolest thing was out in the garage. It was this '68 Camaro with a big red bow over the top of it. Wonderful. And that it was just absolutely cool. And that. That's probably one of the cars that I would I would just I would love to have back. It was a year or so later the car had gotten stolen, mm. and I uh, and I decided at that time I needed a needed a truck. It, lo and behold, car turned up. There was almost no damage to it, but I wound up trading it in on a truck. Well, the day that I took it to the Chevy dealership that uh, that I traded it in on, a guy bought it that day. We know who the guy is, and he absolutely will not sell it. He just he will not sell the <laughs> yeah, car. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> so, someday, maybe someday, <laughs> maybe maybe someday. Yeah. But anyway, that was a then that was a fun car. Oh Great yeah, car. sounds fantastic. Now here's a funny question I ask people: If you were a car, what kind of car would you be, and why? Oh boy, um, I think in my case, at my point of my life. It would be it would be a four wheel drive pickup. <laughs> uh, it would be because now now I'll explain this. Uh, it'd be and with a with a rack that I could put a boat on to go fishing. Ah um, yes, I know you love to fish. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's that's probably. I mean, and I I realize look at it, at the list of people that you've interviewed and everything that that there I I would imagine are tons that would be it'd be some wonderful exotic car. Man, not me. It'd be a four wheel drive. Truck. Well, you know what's great about your answer, and I love people when they answer the question for the way it's meant. It, it's revealing about who you are and. Many people I've interviewed, uh, sometimes they pick the car they like, not a car that represents who they really are. And, you know, you're a genuine, grounded guy. Just you get your sleeves rolled up, you do your job, and that's what a a Trek does, you know? So you answered that question perfectly, perfectly. (laughs) All right, Art, we're up to what I call the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Sure. What was the best automotive advice you've ever received? Oh, and I actually, this is, you know, knowing that this question was going to be, was, would be asked, that sort of a thing, and, and trying to figure out what that would be, it goes back to the first rear engine dragster that I ever built. And that was a, it was an alcohol dragster. Guy came to me, contracted me to build it. I'd never built a dragster before. So this goes back to the, if you, if you think you could do it, you could do it. If you you think you can, you can. (laughs) You can. And, and so, so I took the job and I, and I thought, God, geez. And I go to the dragster, I'd look at the dragsters and I think, okay, where am I going to get started? And I think, what am I going to do? And a guy gave me the best advice I'd ever had at that point. And it, and it goes to a lot of different things. He said, he said, all it is is a rolling motor stand. He said, with, with a steering <laughs> wheel. And I thought about it. I thought about it, and it's in its most pure, broke down deal. That's pretty much what a dragster is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a rolling motor stand and, and with a steering wheel. And, uh, and so I, I, I applied that, and I've actually I've used that a lot over the years for just different, just different things, just to break things down. And that's, I guess, is what it kind of told me is that. Look at it, it. You can make things as complicated as you want, but they aren't always that way. Sure, I love that. That's absolutely great. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Oh gosh, um, number one is I get up early. And I, I get know up, you get I, in, you, you, you get up <laughs> insanely early. Tell everybody well, I, what time you're in the office in the shop. My normal get up time. And like I'll use this this morning as an example. It was about uh, ten minutes to three, and I'm usually walking out of the house by about a oh ten to fifteen after three, uh, and I don't get to the shop, but it's just a couple minutes away. So here I am at, at three fifteen to three thirty in the morning, and uh, and for me, it's the it is barn on the best time of the day. On and the way the business is now, we our guys in manufacturing, we have have. Two groups. One works Monday to Thursday. The other works Tuesday to Friday. And, but they work. They work ten-hour days. So they get here early. They'll get here starting typically at five. We've got the shop foreman, supervisor. He gets here just a little after four. And but my time when I first get here is my time, and I and I love that time. Yeah. Anyway, the next deal is attitude. I believe attitude controls the world. Uh, you mm. wake up with a smile. Uh, you wake up with a smile. You carry that as much as you can. Obviously, there are days that that doesn't always happen, but sure. uh, as much as you can uh, with you, and, it, and it's just it's tough to go bad. Yeah, um, well, and I know Art, and Art always has a smile on his face. His attitude is just one of those exemplary attitudes of can-do, positive, happy. Uh, it's a wonderful way to go through life, absolutely. How about books. Uh, is there a book that you've read in your past or recently that you'd like to share with our listeners that you really enjoyed? 
you know, there's there's a, actually a ton of them. I, I, when we go on vacation, or when, especially when I'm on a plane, uh, I like a lot of books. I like a, a Clancy, Custler, Grisham, all of those guys, because they're just they're great ways to pass the time when you're on a plane. Sure. Um, but one that, that one that comes to mind that that actually was a great business resource book for me was uh, one. It was called uh, "Quality Is Free." Author's last name is. Crosby, I think it's Philip Crosby, okay. but it but the book was called Quality Is Free, and and I I read the thing, and I and this was in the middle eighties, I think, and and it was just a ton of it that just stuck, and it just made it just made wonderful sense. Oh, awesome! Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find these resources at slash art morrison Just put art in the search box, and his show notes page will pop right up. All right, you were a racer, so we're up to the checkered flag, and you know what that means. This last question can be a real doozy for some people, especially diehard car people like you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and money's no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you want today, what would that vehicle be and why? <laughs> Again, I think I've got it. Um, oh, wonderful! It's a, and, a, and it's a, it's actually it's a '55 Chev. It's not the Corvette. It's a, a '55 Chev. Yeah. And it's for God. It's for a ton of different reasons. One, I've loved them since I was a kid. But but number two, that was the first one that became one of the other really really defining moments of the business. And uh, and it was in 2002. Craig came to me and he said he said Dad, we got to build a bolt-on frame. We just we got to do this and i just fought a tooth and nail and i mean and he finally jabbed me in the side hard enough enough times that i said i said okay okay i'll do it i said but you give me a business plan so he did he wrote up a business plan and he said this is when i want the drawings done by this is when i want the engineering this is when i want it to go to the shop this is when i want the frame done and this is the first show we're going to so he had it all laid out over about a six-month period and and i said okay so we did it so this goes into the first show we went to was in march of oh three we sold the first frame for a fi- and this was just for 55 to 57 Chev. The first one we sold was in April, I think, of, of 2003. That year we sold, I think, 20 of those those frames. The next year we sold 99. The next wow. year we sold 100 and some. And and we got up to where at its absolute peak we were selling 145 just of that particular frame, not counting the all of the myriad of other frames that we build, yeah. uh, just of the Tri-5. Nice, nice. And we had done that. We had done the testing of that car, and in 2003, it was in the fall of 03, we tested it, and it came out that it actually, the uh, Craig has got the, the list of cars that would outhandle it. The, at the time, it would outhandle the new, uh, the new Corvette, the C5 at that particular time. It, did, it had skid pad numbers. It had slalom, uh, slalom course numbers that were, were greater than, than just about all of the cars that were available at that time. And I mean, wow. including the, the higher-end supercars. It was a, and, and to this date, that still is one of those grand, wonderful cars that I just love to drive because it it handle and drives just like a late model touring car oh. and so that's that's my car yeah well you're very lucky to have your dream car and that you listen to craig and his uh, nudging and rib poking <laughs> uh you know that you know, hey exactly. the, the kid was right the kid was right yeah. <laughs> that's great well and, and what's that all it's done for me now is i just i listen a little more astutely now when he sure i'll bet something. yeah yeah he's uh <laughs> He's made made his mark, that's for sure. Yeah. And we'll have to get him on the show sometime real soon as well. That would be great. 
Art, you've taken me on a great ride this morning, and I've really enjoyed your stories. You're always so much fun to talk with, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Would you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 55 Chev? Yeah, I guess it would be don't be afraid of anything. You can do anything you want. Mm. Follow your dream And a little bit of passion and hard work goes a staggering long ways. Yes, absolutely. Is there a way that our listeners can find out more about you? What's the best way for them to to reach out to you? Simplest way is, and it's it's really simple, artmorson.com. There is one other. If you... Uh, again, the listeners want to go and find out a, a ton about stuff that we do also, is you get on YouTube and put Art Morrison on the search line, mm, and it will it will come up with a million things from uh, clip shots of the Corvette on road courses around the world from the video game yeah. to, to all of our different builds. Ah, fantastic. Well, I'll make sure that we post those on your show notes page at carsyacom slash Art Morrison. Thank you, Art, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing some wonderful stories with me and with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!